In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. Hey y'all, we're Darcy. I'm Kyle. We're here with our Quality Matters podcast. Today we want to talk about a an oldie but a goodie, I guess. Uh, a blog post that Kyle posted a couple of years ago talking about a change in the standard, I guess, from uh, the ISO 9001 standard from, I guess, what, 2008 to 2015? That's it. Okay. So the previous standard, what I'm getting from the blog post, y'all remember, I am ignorant to this kind of stuff so i'm reading between the lines and learning as i go so it looks like in the 2008 standard there was a requirement for a quality management representative so i guess to get certified you had to have this person doing this job at your company yeah exactly it was a uh, not a required position but that's kind of the way it got um got used and interpreted got interpreted as such so in the 2015 standard they took that away correct and there was a little debate it seems like about whether this was a good thing or a bad thing that essentially you kind of need somebody in charge of that Mm -hmm. um because if not then the person that is in charge of that is also in charge of other things and they're not really solely focused on quality and then i guess against having the quality management representative is that the employees don't really have buy-in because it's like another boss telling you what to do. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, a lot of times what you wind up with, and this isn't the case everywhere, so every company does this very differently. But a common is you get someone that's maybe mid-level management. Maybe it's just an inspection supervisor, but they're a very quality-minded person. They're a very detail-oriented person. And so what they do is they put this person in charge of running the program they're the official representative of the program but they have no ability to enforce the program so you're saying if they had a quality management representative that would be the case oftentimes and in some cases it's the quality manager himself who is placed as a quality management representative which is a little more logical but again it doesn't always happen that way um and that was the case with me i used to be a quality manager and i was a quality management representative but as a quality management representative, it just so happened that all of our procedures and work instructions laid full responsibility on my shoulders before anyone else's shoulders. It's not that I mind the responsibility, but um, your quality management representative is not always the best person to enforce these processes. So it's kind of still like you're the middleman. Yeah, absolutely. Very your much. boss, the head of the company is telling you to get this done and mm-hmm. the guys down here won't do it but you have no leverage to make them do it so there's argument for not having the quality management representative exactly and but to take both sides here part of the problem when you've removed the uh, quality management representative or qmrs is usually documented is um who's in charge now it's very decentralized and I think that's actually part of the goal of what uh, the teams that put together the new edition of the standard and the um, NXSL. Um, NXSL is nothing but a uh, 
top, top level management standard that um, ISO put together to use to develop new standards. Um, I think part of their goal was really to decentralize it so that the management team carry the responsibility. And I'll give you an example where this goes wrong. And this happened to me uh, quite often previously, and I see it happen to other people in our, uh, when we do audits and consultations, is, say, the quality management representative, the quality manager. Um, he has a certain specialized background. He's not a technical engineer. Yet, by the way that most people write these procedures, he's responsible for ensuring that the documents are approved. And so you wind up kind of in a quagmire there because he has to make sure all of the documents and document information system are approved prior to use, but he has no technical knowledge to approve anything. And so now who's responsible for that approval? Or to even know if it's written correctly, exactly, really. Exactly, exactly. Okay, that's interesting. I've got a case study. We're going to talk about another podcast that kind of <laughs> addresses that. So um, I find this kind of interesting because we already talked about that case study with Orkin and how when they wanted to get ISO certified, it seems like this is sort of how they started out. They put it on the branch managers, which were not at all a QMR, but they were kind of being forced into yes. being a QMR. And then the branch managers said, whoa, this is way too much for us to deal with. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of took a step back and created a team. So I guess that's what they do. If you don't have the QMR, mm -hmm. you have to create a team. And I guess this is where... Because when I first read this blog post, I thought, oh, well, that's why would they take that away? You need somebody in charge of that to make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Because if you take it away, mm -hmm. then you've got a bunch of people that are focused on a bunch of different things right. that aren't really making sure everything's getting done. What this, when you, and let me be clear, the standard does not prohibit you assigning a representative for your true, system. True, true. It's just not a requirement anymore. What this, if you choose to not have the management representative, it forces, absolute forces the management team to become actively involved in the quality management system. A lot of companies... So that's the key. Yes. You said actively involved. So the management team has to take a personal vested interest, and you would think they would because it affects their business and you know, in turn, their salary and their, you know, what they're bringing home to their family. It does, but let's be honest. A lot of executives rise to that position, um, and I'm not speaking poorly of anyone here, but a lot of executives rise to that position because they were either an amazing salesperson and they knew the value of what the company did, maybe not the how, or they were a fantastic engineer and knew all the technical details, but again, don't necessarily know how to ensure that those technical details are executed every time. So I think that's why, going back to the case study of Orkin, it worked well for them. They created a quality management team. Yes. I think it was seven individuals, maybe, um, that had worked in the field. What was I think they all had about 30 yeah. years of experience. Each individual had about 30 years of experience. Mm -hmm. So they knew the technicals, mm -hmm. and now they know the quality. And so they're combining those two and saying, let us come beside you and partner with you. Yeah. So I think, you know, it shouldn't have to fall on a representative no. or the management team, but you should create a team within your company, mm -hmm. and it should be a team of people that knows the quality mm -hmm. as well as the technical so that they can come together and work this out. And if you're going to do that, it's very important that you document who has approval for what, who has authority to do what. Because within that team, uh, the companies where I see that it works best 
is you might have a quality manager, but he's only directly responsible for so many processes. It may be his job as the quality manager to kind of pull the strings and, and get people involved and get things to happen. Uh, for instance, inspection reports. Your quality manager is not going to sign off on the inspection reports. That's going to be to one of your ASNT, you know, level two inspectors or a production manager. But when those inspection reports aren't getting signed off and aren't getting turned in on a timely basis, well, it's your quality manager's job to step in and figure out why. But then he needs to be given authority from management to handle that situation appropriately. Correct. Or he needs to know the exact person to go to for that ahead of time. The process. Exactly. It needs to be a well-documented <laughs> process. It does. You need a very well-documented process here. But the, the best companies that I've seen, um, both with the 2000 edition of the standard and the 2015 edition of the standard, um, they all had a strong quality manager but they had just a fantastic leadership team. And I say management team, it's really leadership. Leadership's the term that the, the new edition of ISO, the 2015 I edition. I like that term uses. better than management. It is. Leadership um, sounds more like I'm working alongside of you, whereas management sounds like I'm going to tell you what to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I like that term better. Um, I was looking, so this kind of came to light because you reshared it on LinkedIn, and Correct. I was just kind of looking at some of those comments to see if we should... Um, talk about them somebody said i agree that qmr plays an important role but isn't that what the quality manager was for i guess it really is the same position mm -hmm. and we kind of talked about that already um and then this other comment says it seems another motivator for the decision could be the fact that the responsibility was misaligned in the past with the notion that the quality manager was fully responsible for compliance which put many in an unfair situation Completely agree. Completely agree. Yeah, I, I could see that because if you've got a quality manager, it's kind of like, you know, you had one job. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. You had one job, but it's not. It's a team. He said, I have seen this in multiple cases. Now the responsibility is on the team. Good change. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. Um, you know, we'll take here just uh, this is where I guess folks kind of have gone wrong. And this was the case prior to the 2008 edition of the ISO uh, 9001 standard, this is entrenched for uh, nearly 20 years now, is uh, top management shall provide evidence of commitment to the deployment and implementation of the quality management system. And it goes on and, you know, provides some uh, details there of what it, top management has to provide. But then at the end, it throws everything onto the quality management representative to kind of organize and, and orchestrate the whole process. And, and here's what it says, is management shall appoint a member of the organization's management who, irrespective of other responsibilities, shall have the authority that includes ensuring processes needed for the system established, reporting to top management, and ensuring the promotion of awareness of customer requirements throughout the organization. So this goes to what the comment was, that it's kind of misaligned. The, um, the management representative, as ISO states, it should already be a member of the management team. Right. But that hardly ever actually occurred because your quality manager in most organizations is not part of the top management team. It kind of feels like management, and I use that word appropriately in the situation, management wants a fall guy. And so we're going to hire this guy, and he's not going to be allowed to make any decisions on his own or you know, punish anybody for not doing what they're supposed to do. But when things go wrong, it's going to be all his fault. Yeah. 
Whereas if you have a leadership team, then they're going to work together to make sure things happen and that that person has authority to do what they need to do. Exactly. And this doesn't have to be a large company like like what we talked about with Orkin. Um, I've seen this work well in very small companies. I audited some folks last year that were maybe only 20 folks. Um, Ten of them were uh, inspectors that were on the road every day. And their quality manager, their production manager, and their uh, the owner of the company were a united front in every way, shape, and form. The quality manager still technically held the title of management representative because they hadn't converted over yet, but it was a very limited management representative role. So I'm, we're saying that you can do either model executed properly with a 20-member team or a 10,000-member team. And you can combine the models, like you said. It doesn't mm-hmm. keep you from having a quality no. management representative, but that person should be a part of the leadership team Absolutely. and probably should not be their only role no. within the company. No, and it shouldn't be a lower-level person, whether it's quality manager or it's quality management representative as an official function. It should be someone that has some say and input into the company that's making these decisions. I, I see too often where quality is kind of... Um, Second, second thought. It's an afterthought. We don't care about quality until things go wrong, or um, until a client says, "Hey, we we need you to be quality minded." Yeah, and, and so, so those type of companies where the the quality manager is usually very low on the the totem pole, um, and they have very little ability to enforce or enact change. I'm not saying they should be a rogue agent. But again, it should be a it should really be a leadership team. Well, and if you have the processes, they won't be or shouldn't be a rogue agent. And no. again, if it's part of a leadership team, then everybody's working together, and nobody feels like they're absolutely in charge or they have absolutely no power either way. Yeah, you go. Yeah, and uh, the the biggest way to to make sh- sure that this process is a success is by documenting roles and authorities. I mean, every organization is supposed to have an org chart. Um, as you get larger, they get more complicated and difficult to manage, but you should define define authorities. And then it's clear, and there's no question. Yeah, yeah. Again, it just goes with being certified and having everything documented and recorded and being able to go back to those processes mm-hmm. and say, here's who you are and here's your job, and working alongside each other, I think, is the biggest key. Oh, absolutely. And the idea of a point man to go to is, is a great concept because you know that this one person is the point of contact for everything. Um, and I find that very beneficial uh, myself when we do software deployments because um, you do software yeah. deployments and you know, you're talking to three or di- four different engineers, two or three different managers, sales folks. You really need this one person that can step in and say, this is what's been decided. Yeah. And I think that's true for any, um, part of the company like whoever you're dealing with i'm just thinking of when i have issues to deal with whether it be you know the grocery store or a medical team or whatever i would like to be able to talk to the same person every time i call and that's not always the case no no, so you kind of you need a point man you need somebody that's designated at that job within the management team so interesting read it is it is we would like to know what your company does if you have a comment or opinion or want to talk about what your company does and how they handle this uh, change, just comment on our podcast and let us know. All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening.